Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The skies are still a little stormy, ladies and gentlemen. The rain is still a bit heavy, but we are edging ever closer to the summer holidays that we may or may not have. Today we're heading back to the House of Commons for the first Prime Minister's Questions of the Month. No doubt Boris Johnson will continue the onslaught on Labour by slicing and dicing Keir Starmer in the same way that Penny Morden destroyed Angela Rayner yesterday afternoon. We'll have a look at that a little bit later on in this show. Poor old Keir is still reeling, of course, from his election defeat and is planning a fly the wall documentary to see if it might make it more interesting. <laughs> uh, you know the answer to that, I think. As Rod Little told me yesterday, I feel sorry for the fly. We are joined for the first time on PMQs by former Special Advisor Peter Cardwell, who will be watching the body language for us. Up first, though, we've got Matt Vickers MP on the levelling up funds, the lifting of lockdown, and the ongoing battle with sage advisors. Because guess what? Neil Ferguson, that's right, Professor Pantsdown, has apparently come out and said that uh, he doesn't actually think the Indian variant's all that transmissible after all. Well done, Neil. And the only way we can talk slightly about Neil Ferguson is everything he says turns out to be completely wrong. Uh, so we'll have to figure out later uh, whether he's telling the truth. Plus, we'll be asking him about the Metropolitan Police officer recorded cheering for Palestine and hugging demonstrators while on duty at the weekend. I think everybody uh, and his mother and or her mother uh, and or gender-specific non-binary person has seen this video of this particular police officer. Meanwhile, the Metropolitan Police are still investigating it. It happened at the weekend. It's now Wednesday. What exactly are you investigating? Have a look at the video, see what's going on, and suspend the person. Isn't it that simple? 0344 499 uh, Of course, uh, we're also talking to Tonya Buxton. She joins us as well with the latest from the front line of resistance. Why she's happy that masks have disappeared from school, and why she believes the government must not go backwards when it comes to lifting restrictions both home and abroad. As ever, of course, we need to hear from you, what you're seeing, what you're doing, and what are you being told out there in the big wide world. You are the eyes and ears of the independent republic, and we need your opinions 
as well. 0344 We'll also be talking to veteran crime editor Mike Sullivan from The Sun on the ghastly news that new evidence suggests that serial killer Fred West murdered a 13th victim in Gloucester before he was caught in the mid-1990s. It's a very, very grisly tale, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and if you don't remember it, uh, you will be absolutely shocked um, to your very foundations as to what actually went on. I'll also be asking why we need a new category of third-class rail travel. I mean, after all, it's already third class, isn't it? It's useless. In fact, they might as well give it away for free. 0344 499 1000. You'll listen to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. As I gaze out upon the beautiful vista uh, of sort of north-east London, I'm looking over the Tower of London. I can see that it's not actually pouring down with rain at the moment, but it seems to be doing that about every five minutes. Because every time I go out, it starts pouring. Uh, every time I go in, it starts pouring. Every time I look out the window, I hear rain battering against it. I'm not quite sure where we are with the weather at the moment, but it certainly isn't very good. And I can't say I blame anyone for trying to go abroad uh, when at the moment it seems as though the weather is an awful lot better almost everywhere else. But Portugal seems to be the only place you can go. Let's talk to Matt Vickers, Conservative MP for Stockton South. Matt, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Life's great, Mike. Life's absolutely fantastic <laughs> at the moment. Actually, imagine how much sadder we would have been if, the, if we couldn't go indoors at the pub during all this chaotic weather. Well, listen, uh, as you, as you may know, we had, a, we had a colleague of yours, Deanna Davison, uh, down into the Horseshoe pub, kicking us off on Monday, uh, which was lovely. It was great to be sitting actually inside the premises, particularly when it started lashing uh, with monsoon-style rain. Uh, and it was lovely just to be able to not sit huddling around uh, wearing a coat and a scarf and gloves while drinking a pint of beer. Yeah, you, you appreciate the heat a little bit more now, I think. It's happened. It's happened, though. We're there. We're there. We're indoors. I made the most of it last night. Very yes, happy. no, absolutely right. And I don't know whether, I don't know whether you're still, still up in your neck of the woods and so not, therefore, down for PMQs today. But I'm quite looking forward to PMQs because Labour uh, have had the most horrendous and torrid time. Uh, but I have to say, uh, I've quite enjoyed it and it's made me laugh quite a few times. Well, yeah, they're having a bit rough, aren't they? <laughs> Just a tad. But I think the problem is we still haven't quite found out what they stand for. I think that's a big problem. Yes. What, what, what is Keir Starmer about? What is the Labour Party thinking? Uh, what planet are they on? Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, exactly right. And I have to say, and I, don't, I hope you don't mind if I play this for you, but I want you to watch a video with me, uh, which is Angela Rayner uh, versus Penny Mordaunt yesterday in the House of Commons. It's been doing the rounds on social media. It's a thing of great beauty. Have a look at this. I would direct her, Mr Speaker, to the National Audit Office report, which refutes the accusations she's made about MPs, civil servants, business and members of the public. But I'm sure the Right Honourable Lady already knows that. I would suggest to her that an Essex MP is perfectly entitled to forward an offer of help from the Essex Chamber of Commerce to help in a pandemic. MPs do it all the time. It is part of our job. But the Right Honourable Lady already knows this too. And I'm afraid so does everyone else. The urgent question today has more to do with Labour's internal politics and divisions than the conduct of of members of this House and enterprises who have been working to help the NHS and to save lives. The Honourable Lady has made particular accusations today about colleagues, and I just want to make a final point, Mr Speaker, because if you were to take every single MP she's made an allegation uh, about this afternoon, and you were to look at all of the political donations they have received uh, since the pandemic started, since January 2020, if you were to add them all up, if you were to double them, no, Mr Speaker, if you were to quadruple them, you would still just about match what the Honourable Lady herself has received in the same time period. 
and she should thank her lucky stars that we don't play the same games that she does. She is in a new position. She shadows the um, uh, Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, who now looks after some of the most pressing issues facing this nation. The union of the United Kingdom, devolution, the recovery from this crisis, national security, community resilience, and the British brand around the world. That's what we're focused on. I hope that after her debut today, she will be too, and I wish her well. <laughs> I have to say, Matt, uh, that's one of the greatest performances, I think, in the House of Commons I've seen for a while. Certainly best one this year. Um, tremendous from Penny Morden. And Angela Rayner really just shown up for what she is, right? I think, you know, to what question is Angela Rayner the answer? I think if Keith Starman's got, I mean, Keith Starman's got a tough gig if, you know, the, the rising star, the alternative is is that. I mean, how have they got that? How have they, how have they got there? Well, also, she, this is a woman they can't fire. You know, poor old Keith Starman thought he could fire her. They fired her from a job that nobody knew that she had, but she kept the job that uh, everybody thought she did. And created 10 other jobs in the process, yeah, I think. I know. It really is quite <laughs> remarkable. But, you know, the thing about what happened in Hartlepool, there's been some great stuff written over the course of the last uh, week or so. Um, I was talking on Monday uh, to, to Deanna about Dan Hodge's piece in which he said, you know, the problem with uh, the Labour Party is not that they don't understand the Northern vote. It's not that they don't understand the red wall falling to the blue wall. Uh, it's that they don't actually like people uh, in working class constituencies. They don't actually like what they think and what they believe and what they say. There is no lessons learned. You know, they, they, they haven't took took a, a look at what's going on around them and thought, where, why are we so goddamn unpopular? It's mm. actually more about they just fundamentally disagree with the values of working class people and people from our part of the world. Yeah. Uh, and how, how they, you know, it's not that they, yeah, it's, it, you're, you're entirely right. It's not that they don't understand or acknowledge the opinions of those people. It's just they think they know better. Yeah. And they don't. I mean, I wonder as well, and we talk about this a lot, whether this whole woke agenda uh, is going to be reversed as a result of not only this particular election defeat up in Hartlepool. But there was a poll done yesterday by YouGov, who don't always come out on the side of common sense, it has to be said. But the YouGov poll, I don't know whether you saw it, that was published yesterday. Uh, among all Britons, the question, are you woke? No, 23%. Yes, 12%. Don't know what woke means. 59%. So this kind of metropolitan elite world in which we all think everyone lives doesn't exist for most people in Britain. I think they, they call it a lack of common sense. I think they, this walk thing, this, yeah. malar- this anti-British sentiment, this wanting to put the country, its culture, its heritage down. Actually, people on the street don't understand that as walk. No. But they know they don't like the damn thing. Uh, and then that's where we're heading, actually. And it's going to be issue by issue, uh, fighting them on the beaches, fighting them in the museums, Fighting on, on, you know, whatever it is to actually... Well, the churches as well. I mean, you've got the old... The Archbishop of Canterbury's wandering about saying he wants to review all the statues uh, in all the churches in the Church of England up and down the land because he thinks some of them might be inappropriate, really. You know, again, it's another one of these situations where old Welby thinks that he's in charge of the Church of England. He's not. He's simply the caretaker manager for a while. Entirely, entirely right. It's madness and, and people just will, will not accept it. Um, no. And it's our job, my job, my gang of people down here to get off, get off our backsides and fight on the beaches. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. Churches. Now, what about, what the, what about the levelling up? We're hearing a bit about levelling up today. Uh, is Boris Johnson likely to be talking about that, do you think, in terms of uh, there's a £90 million uh, grant being uh, issued uh, to try and make education easier for certain different parts of the world? What's, what's your take on that? I think it's, I mean, it's just fantastic stuff, isn't it? Often governments come along and they have these big ideas and concepts and, you know, this is what it's all about. The levelling up thing, we get it, but it's actually happening. It's mm. real. Uh, on, the, on the doorsteps in my part of the world, we're seeing it. It's improvements in, 
in road and rail. It's major improvements on road junctions, local railway station getting sorted. I'm fighting at the moment to try to get a train from Thornaby to London, get a service in there. But it's it's real. These things can happen, are happening. Uh, and they're happening, in, you know, there were things that were dreams once that wouldn't happen. But I think it's about it's about road, rail, connectivity. It's about jobs. In my part of the world, that's about that free port. It's about those civil, more civil service jobs coming up to Darlington today. That was announced. Bears are sending some of uh, roles up there. Fantastic. Great jobs. Uh, stop the brain drain. Stop all these clever, super intelligent young people from Teesside having to move down here and pay too much for a pint and too much for accommodation. Uh, and it's also about education, which is what we're mm. hearing today. But you don't uh, want to. But you don't want to just turn into the Labour Party, though, Matt. Do you? Where all you do is you create more jobs in the public sector. I mean, as much as that's a good thing for Darlington, I'm sure. What you don't want to be doing is creating more civil service jobs and more jobs that depend upon taxpayers' funding. Because what you really want to do is encourage businesses to get going and businesses to then employ people in the private sector. Most definitely. But if there's going to be civil service jobs, I'd rather have them in Teesside, and that's what we're doing to start with. But no, it's about it's about private investment. It's about attracting that investment, uh, creating the infrastructure, the jobs. Um, I mean, the Freeport, 18,000 jobs, but they are high-end, good-quality jobs, um, and, and we can't wait to get it, get on with it. Mm. Um, and I think education, though, is a, is a massive... That's the other key part of levelling up, isn't it? It's about making sure that those opportunities that are in some parts of the world are available to all. And yes. actually that people have the ability to contribute uh, and... and, and do great things for themselves wherever they might be in the country and they're the people that are going to drive the uh, recovery from this pandemic yeah and also i wonder whether uh, you have to be a bit careful as well matt that you don't kind of categorize i know you wouldn't do this personally but you don't categorize you know areas in the north of england as somehow deprived or somehow worse off uh, simply because they're in the north of england because there are plenty of places around the country that you might consider to be places of, say, not very much opportunity. I mean, there's places in the southwest of England, for example, that have been neglected for quite a long time, where there's not many job opportunities, there's not many uh, places that young people can go and get get work at all. So, I mean, is levelling up not going to just concentrate on the north? Well, um, I wouldn't mind as much of it as possible coming to Teesside, but I think it's about talking these areas up instead of talking them down, which is what the Labour Party has done in Teesside for so many years. Mm. Uh, they've talked about how terrible it is, how miserable it is actually. You know what? It's a fantastic area. We're leading the, the green energy revolution. We've got this this free part on the go. We got everything's happening in Teesside. We're on the up. Mm. Uh, and in fact, you know what you should be doing, Mike? If you can't get away to port to, to anywhere other than Portugal, you should get your get yourself up to Teesside for a whole day. We've got it all. It's fantastic. Have you, it's okay, well listen, I'm not I'm not against that. You know, we can bring the dog, uh, which is always nice because we're at that point where you don't actually like going on holiday without the dog. So, you know, holiday in the UK is is all fine with me. Let me ask you about a couple of other things that have just been uh, in the news this morning. There's the story from London of Pimlico Academy. You might remember a few weeks back there was a kind of student revolt there because the head teacher had uh, started putting up uh, Union Jacks and they decided that was a racist symbol. Uh, he'd asked uh, the, uh, a female female students not to wear hijabs that were too colourful. He'd asked for, for some of the male and female students not to have afros because they, they stopped people from seeing past their heads and all of this. He's now quit as a result of all of this, which is presumably a code for he's been forced out uh, because he doesn't suit the agenda of Pimlico Academy. I mean, what can you do about stuff like that? I think I think it's up to all of us to, to play our part and stand against some of this madness. I mean, when I was at school, if your hair was cut a bit too short, you were in trouble. You were in isolation. And that isn't changing. We shouldn't be scared of, of, of the, the this woke agenda that's mm. fighting against any sort of rule or compliance. And actually, you know what? We should have those. Every school in the country should have a flag up. It should just happen. And we should just be on it. Because in every other country, you'd be very proud to display that flag. But exactly. 
But uh, which, which takes us on to the other big story of the week, which is this female police officer who was spotted on video. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it, shouting "Free Palestine!" and sort of while wearing a mask, hugging demonstrators uh, and very much being a, a supporter of a political cause. You know, the Metropolitan Police today are saying we're still investigating the incident. Well, why? You know, the video's there. Everybody knows what she did. Everybody knows what she said. Surely she should just be suspended, shouldn't she? I think I think people have all sorts of opinions on the Palestine-Israel issue. Uh, and you know what? They can have them in their own private lives. But I think what we saw recently with all the things that were happening on the streets, we saw people scared to death uh, at what was going on the streets, the, the fear and the threats. Um, and do you know who they turn to, who they want to look towards? Police officers mm. who will uphold the law, treat everybody professionally, properly, uh, and, and do the right thing. And I think this was is, is completely out of order. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see the woman lose her job because that's not what I'm what I'm about. But I certainly don't. I think in, in no uncertain terms, it should be made very clear by the people that run the Metropolitan Police that this is not acceptable. I was saying to somebody this morning, imagine if she had been, uh, you know, uh, hugging Tommy Robinson, uh, one of Tommy Robinson's rallies or, you know, going up to, uh, you know, some other group of people that are slightly less on the left than this lot. Um, imagine the, 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 the hoo-ha they would be. Yeah, you are spot on, I think. I mean, one of the problems is that we try to get police involved in sort of community activities and we try to have that, like, you know, friendlier face of police. Why, though? Why don't we just have the police do the police's job, which is if somebody's committed a crime, you arrest them. Uh, you don't have to be, you don't have to be following people around to see whether they're drinking coffee two metres apart. You know, get them to do the old-fashioned policing job. I think you're right. Yeah, grab them by the ear and sort them out. Well, exactly. I, think, I mean, you know, I don't really, I don't really, I don't really know why um, police officers are even policing um, a Palestinian uh, pro-Palestinian march whilst while applauding it. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, we've ended up on a very slippery slope, I think, with some mm. aspects of this. talking. You know, this community-friendlier face of policing has then ended up going out so far yeah. in the wrong direction. Yeah. It really has. And how is Stockton uh, South doing in terms of coming out of the lockdown? Because obviously we still see uh, uh, quite a busy London, but not a very busy London. There's a lot of people back out and about on the streets. There's a lot of people uh, now going back into pubs and restaurants and shops, but it's still not quite back to normal. Um, what's it What's it like where you are? It's going pretty well. We're jabbing like there's no tomorrow uh, because that's the answer to this problem. Get that jab in your arm. If you're sat home, you're hesitating about it, ring me. I'll have a conversation. I'll tell you why it's the most important thing you can be doing in the next couple of weeks is to get that jab in your arm and get us back out there. Um, yeah, no, but you also got to say, Matt, it's all right if you don't want to. If somebody doesn't want to do it, you know, you don't have to make them do it, do you? Yeah, but we should have a very reasonable conversation to suggest why they should do it, I think. Is all right. well. I don't think we should enforce it. No, you're right. Um, businesses across Stockton are gagging to get going. Their doors are open. They're very, very happy. Uh, can't wait. Because, you can't, you know, for all the packages and the support and all this, like you can't actually replicate what businesses can do on their own. Well, that's um, right. Absolutely. And finally, I'll just I'll just as I mentioned just at the top of the show, Neil Ferguson from Sage has come out and said he's uh, he's now looking at some new data which suggests that the Indian variant isn't actually as transmissible as it was at first thought, uh, which will be very good news for Boris, because I get the sense that Boris Johnson does not want to go backwards here. He does not want to not lift all the restrictions on June 21st and he doesn't want anyone to give him any excuse to do that. Yeah, I think I mean, we can't go back. We've got to get the jabs in the arms. We've got to get on with the job. The variants are going to come and go and there's going to be a constant debate and people will think that, you know, we'll know the ins and outs of every variant when it appears. We don't know. That's the point. Uh, it's unprecedented. It's going to happen. Um, and we've just got to do everything we can to, to keep on the up. And that's that jab in the arm. Absolutely. And, and, right. Have you got uh, have you got a question today, Matt? Uh, no, I haven't. But I've, I've polished if you, if you had If you had one, what would it be? Um, oh, 
Now you've caught me. Uh, uh, see, what if you got a call from the whip's office to say, listen, Matt, somebody's dropped out. you got a question. You haven't got one. Mike, well, I'm sure I'd find one. I'm sure I'd find one. I'll give you a call and you give me one. It I'll give you a couple of questions, yeah. I'll come up with a couple for you. There you go. I'll come up with a couple and set them up to you to have in reserve just in case you get the call. Matt, thanks very much indeed. Thanks. Matt Vickers there, uh, MP for Stockton South. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Lisa Francesca Nando, travel journalist, host of the big travel podcast, because we can now travel. Uh, but depending on which minister you talk to in the government, uh, it's difficult to know exactly where. Lisa, very good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, I'm surprised you're still here. I thought you might have been jetted off somewhere to sunny climbs. I'm quite surprised I'm still here myself, actually. <laughs> but like many people, I mean, millions of people that have booked, which is wonderful, I think. But um, like many people, I can't afford to uh, take the 10 days off work or off school when right. I get back and quarantine. And also, I wouldn't want it. It was hideous. I did 14 days when I came back from Spain in yes, August. I remember. And I really hated the isolation, like really hated it. Mm. So I, I think it's it's definitely a matter of how you personally feel about that and your personal circumstances, yeah. when you, whether you can stay 10 days or home or want to stay 10 days at home yeah. or not. No, I'm the same, actually. Not so much about them because, I mean, it's out of the question for me to, to do that anyway because I need to be in the studio when I come back from any holiday that I go on. But I'm actually not that keen on the, the circumstances of the travel as well. You know, I don't really fancy sitting with a mask on uh, in an airport for a few hours and then on a plane for a few hours and then, you know, at the other end possibly for, for you know, all the time that I'm walking around. You know, I just don't really see that as much of a holiday, to be honest. To me, that'd be worth it for the, I mean, everyone's got their own opinions on it. And I think this is the problem which we're going to get onto with the ministers. Everyone's, you know, spouting their own opinions and not sort of actually talking about the hard facts. But yeah, for my, for me personally, I'd be happy to wear a mask on the plane at the airport. I have done it. You know, Mm. I have traveled during the pandemic. Uh, If it gets me to that lovely sunny country with the nice food and the the beaches. Yes. Well, I mean, a lot of people have gone to Portugal um, in the last couple of days, but I'm told you're wearing masks on the beach there. Yeah, you're wearing masks on the beach, but not when you're walking, not when you're sitting down. And this was the same in, in Spain uh, last summer. Uh, there, there's been a lot in the news about, oh, you're going to have to wear them when you're sitting down. You don't have to. And it's not, it really isn't as hideous as it sounds. I mean, you know, I know there will be some people that are very anti-mask, but, mm. you know, I'm happy to go with the flow and do what I do what I have to do to actually get on the holiday. It's not as hideous as, as you sound. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, get, sounds... I get hot enough on the underground wearing one, never mind walking around on a beach in sort of, you know, 30 degree heat. Yeah, no, I, I remember in Spain last summer that it was 35 degrees some mm. days. But, you know, it just made me stop in bars and restaurants more, which, you know, to me is no bad thing. Yeah, it's, I suppose that there's something to be said I'm for that. I'm very happy to do that. Yeah. So, so what is it about the government's advice versus the government's guidance versus the government's regulations versus the government's laws? Because I think a lot of people don't really know the difference anymore. I think they don't really know the difference anymore, which is, I mean, it's quite amusing, really. You've had at least two ministers uh, come out and say, don't go anywhere. A couple have said, do go somewhere. I think Boris Johnson has said, do, but don't. I mean, the whole amber thing is confusing because amber is a traffic light. So can mean go, can mean stop. It's also, it's use your own judgment, isn't it? And I think that that what it is, it's use your own judgment. But we are legally allowed to travel. And if you go, for me, I go by the Foreign Office. And if you go to the Foreign Office website on the amber list countries, you are are allowed to travel which means your travel insurance will be valid and all those important things so absolutely go but again i think it's very much de- depending on your personal circumstances and i'm speaking to people every day who are actually in a conundrum some people have got to pay the deposit uh, on a flight uh, on a holiday that they've got for august and, and have no idea whether they should do it or not and this confusion from the government isn't really helping but you are legally able to go to green and to amber countries as well so that's the that's the legal thing well that's the whether thing. 
where there's a personal responsibility, some people will say, oh, should, should you morally go? Um, you know, but then, and then we're getting into the whole philosophy of it. But that's right. But then there are people who would be uh, quite happy to tell you that you shouldn't go on holiday because it's dangerous. And mostly those people are professionals, uh, what I call the professorial class. Uh, there was a guy who's a university professor in Oxford who said this weekend, oh, I think this is not the time to go abroad on holiday. Everyone should stay home. And you think, well, that's fine for you. But there's an awful lot of ordinary people whose only sort of pleasure in life with their kids and their family is to go somewhere like Benidorm for a couple of weeks or 10 days, relatively cheap package holiday, um, because that's that's their one kind of enjoyment in the year that they get uh, of working very hard and I think it's wrong to make people feel as if they're doing something wrong by simply wanting to go on holiday. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's been a lot of shaming throughout this pandemic by people with strong opinions on, on many sides of the argument. And I think there's absolutely no shame in wanting a holiday. You know, the, the levels in the European countries that we're mostly talking about, you know, the popular destinations, uh, Spain, France, Italy, they're just about the same as we, we've got here. The vaccine rollout is going really well. The vaccine is meant to liberate us, um, you know, from these sorts of restrictions. And indeed, the EU are meeting today, which you've probably heard, mm. to decide their vaccine passport procedure. It looks like they're going to say yes we're going to do this so why can't we do something mm. like that at the moment the vaccines aren't being taken account in, into account this country if, when you return to this country right. so the eu are f- going to be fine saying it's all, all very well them saying and it's great that they're saying they're going to let us in but what our problem is at the moment is not what not the countries that will let us in uh, in terms of your usual holiday but what happens when you come back and we have really strict restrictions now i do get that we need to have uh, strict restrictions i do get that the vi- virus does travel um, but, you know, the levels are, are doing well at the moment. We've got some restrictions and we are legally allowed to travel. So to me, it's absolutely if you want to go on holiday, absolutely no shame in it whatsoever. Exactly right. And what do you think the EU um, sort of vaccination thing will look like? What, what is that presumably designed so you can travel within the EU without any sort of problem? Yeah, to not just within the EU, but to the EU. So we're obviously not in the EU now. We will be able to, it looks like they're going to announce today, uh, travel with proof. I think it's two weeks after your second vaccine mm. uh, and you will not have to have a test. It doesn't mean that if you don't have a vaccine, you can't go to the EU, but it does mean probably that you will have to show proof of a negative relative. So they'll be saying it's either you've been vaccinated or you show us a negative test, one of the two. Yes, either or. Yeah. yeah, there's. I remember people being up in arms uh, not so long ago saying, well, I can't get the vaccine. I'm not getting the vaccine. Does that mean I can't travel? No, mm. it doesn't. Yeah. Hopefully um, it means that you'll be able to get to prove a negative test as, as you can do now. Yeah. And they will let us in. But of course, it's what happens when we come back to this country. And, you know, there's only very few people that can afford to take that that time, have the mm. luxury of taking that time, those 10 days sitting at home. You're yeah. not even allowed out to the shop. You know, I know. And, also, and also at the moment, Lisa, the amount of money it costs to take another test when you come back in. You know, we've heard horror stories all the way through the last few weeks of people saying, you know, who lived abroad. We had a couple who, who actually were living in Spain and they had to leave because they're only allowed to stay there for three months at a time. They booked two tests when they came back for £360, um, only to discover when they got back that the test hadn't arrived and the company was no longer operational. And a lot of these companies that were given permission to hand the test out have sort of disappeared off the radar. 
Yeah, it's it's very, very confusing. I've done a bit of a, a research into it myself and I couldn't make head nor tail of it. I mean, because I didn't have to go ahead and book the tests, I probably gave up. But my parents are coming over on Thursday. They live in Spain, yeah. uh, but they're, they're British and they're, they're 80 in their 80s. They want to see their grandchildren. They're going to isolate for 10 days. But like a lot of people, they've had enough. But they found it very complicated um, getting getting the tests mm. and who to get it with, you know, who's trustworthy, how much they are. They're still really expensive. It's prohibitively expensive to go to an amber country and have to come back and take three tests four if you want to do the test and release early on uh, on day five at the moment um, yeah. it's prohibitively expensive you know for one person traveling if you're if you're not you know super rich let alone a family of four it's mm. it's really it's really unfair yeah it really is but i mean presumably at some point i mean we've got some encouraging news this morning professor neil ferguson has come out and said that he doesn't think the indian variant according to the latest data is as transmissible as they at first thought so if they can stop panicking about that it may well be that that as we move towards june the 21st things start to look a little bit better no yeah hopefully so going forward we've got the review date of the green list being reviewed on may the 7th and obviously as as sometimes happens there might be a few things released before that we're hoping that the us goes on the green list um yeah well i'm hoping for that that's for sure i'm I'm sure you are yeah a lot of people are apparently we're we're losing 32 million pounds a day Mm. of business not being open to the us we're talking about holidays here of course but business you know I, I was reading about the plight of the taxi drivers yeah. um, at the moment near the airports they're really really struggling you know that aviation and, and travel has such a trickle down effect you know it, it, like taxi drivers restaurant owners sure. bar owners everything like that we're, we're losing a lot of money and I know you, you want to get to the US so you know we, we've got to balance that up I know there are health concerns but like you said the news looks good in terms of the vaccines effectiveness against the Indian variant there are going to be more variants this is apparently I'm not a scientist but I'm reading about it this is apparently what what viruses yeah. do they mutate and we want to try and keep on uh, on top of them as much as possible but also think of the businesses and the human impact of not being able to travel travel and balance all that and let people go away albeit with some restrictions i get that but but do let people get moving again mm, absolutely lisa well good to talk to you good to see you uh, hopefully we'll all be somewhere sunny soon uh all the sun will come out here one way or the other uh, lisa francesca now travel journalist host of the big travel podcast 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk radio. Now, I'm delighted to say Tony Buxton joins us today, but she's not in a very good mood. So, you know, we normally see her full of sweetness and light. Today, I think we're going to see a different Tony. Very good morning I, to you. I'm really upset because I'm, I'm trying to sort uh, seeing my mum out. Um, my mum is in Cyprus at the moment. She got diagnosed with dementia mm. and it's escalating very quickly. Yes, and, as it tends to do if somebody's not being... Not, I'm not saying she's not looked after, but if she's not seeing very many people. No, she's not. She's not. Be, I mean, Cyprus had quite a strict lockdown. Um, you had to text before you went out of the house and you only allowed out of the house once. She comes from a big family. She normally sees her sisters every day mm. and uh, that's not happened at all. Yeah. And I... Uh, me and my brothers go and come to Cyprus or my parents come over and stay with us. So we normally see each other mm. about five times a year, five, six times a year. And that's not happening now. Right. And I'm being told, and this is the thing that is, I'm I'm fed up of, Mike. I'm being told I'm irresponsible. So I'm trying to do what's right by my family. So I'm going to try and see my mum. Uh, my two sons have, their characters have changed during mm. lockdown. Um, one of them has started pulling out his hair, really? which is very distressing yeah. for me. The other one is just getting quieter and quieter mm. and quieter. So I think a big holiday in the sun, seeing my, the extended family yes. and all of that is what and how they long, need. And how long since you've all been together? We went out last summer. Okay. So we went out last summer. But bear in mind that my, I would normally see my parents at Christmas, yeah. at Easter, yeah. and often at, at the half term. They, sure. would, they normally come at Christmas. We go at Easter and right. the half term. So we have have seen them but my not since my mum's been diagnosed but isn't it curious as well that last summer when we were more in a pandemic than we are yeah. now and we didn't have a vaccine yeah. it was actually easier to go abroad it was much easier to go abroad and i actually think going back to this thing which i will talk about every week till it's changed mm. is the amount of money spent on fear-mongering yeah. the advertising money i found out this some i think it's right um that by 2022 because they've just added another 322 million mm. to carry on this advertising propaganda till 2022 it would it will the sum will then be one billion pounds mm. spent on frightening the nation yes. so i am so cross about this and i think of part of that narrative now is this are you being responsible mm. if you go on holiday mm. but but I'm trying to suit my family, yeah. what's responsible for my family. Exactly. And, and, and you know best what's best for your family. Absolutely. And then I had these, these hateful people on Twitter who turn around and say, well, if they all get COVID and die, then it's your fault. And it's like, well, that's, that's a nice. really horrible thing to say, first and foremost. Right. I mean, I just don't understand some of the vile that comes out. Why would you say that to another person? Mm. Why would you even suggest that their children die? Yes. That, for me, I don't get why it. Why would that even enter your head? Why would it enter your head? That, for me... Uh, it may, even though I know this person who's sending is some sad, horrible person, it, yeah. it clasps your heart when everyone, mm. anyone suggests of your course. children die. I mean, because you've said many times, you can take it about you. Absolutely. I'm the I same. If somebody it. starts attacking my children or my daughter uh, in particular, you know, I just, I see red. Yeah, know? but also it, it made me kind of constrained. Think, what is wrong with you? Mm. And let's be honest now, most people have been vaccinated. So 
and, and the vulnerable have been vaccinated, yeah. the older have been vaccinated, which is wonderful news, and I'm really glad. Why are we behaving like we don't have a vaccination? Yeah. What is this rubbish about variants when we know that the Indian variant, it, it, the vaccination Well, this still morning, works. even Neil Ferguson is saying, he now thinks, looking at the recent data, that the Indian variant is not actually as transmissible as they thought. No. So if it's not transmissible, and that was the only thing they were worried about, so why are we still sitting here asking questions? Why are they spewing all this misinformation mm. before they check it. I mean, any other job, we've said this before, any other job, the things that they've got wrong, yeah. Neil Ferguson, et al, Sage, all of them, the, the, the figures and the numbers that they've got so completely, totally and utterly wrong, mm. you'd be sacked and you'd never get a job again and again. And yet these people who've said that constantly thousands and thousands of people are going to die or be in hospitals or going to be in a terrible state. So the whole country locks down for something that we didn't need to do. We I just know. didn't need to do this. We didn't need all the harms that have been happening. So my holiday is very much linked to um, mental health. And and I'm speaking to lots of my friends who've got kids similar ages to mine. Their chi their children need some kind of stopgap. We we need something. You know, we've had 15 months of constant fear and bombardment. Mm. We're now looking at countries that didn't lock down and those that did lock down, or you look at Texas and Florida, mm. and you see that that we should all be out of lockdown now. Everyone should be completely back to normal yeah. now. And we should be spending all that fear money on fixing our kids. Yeah. Because I was talking to again to Zoe Clues. I've mentioned her before. She's a, a brilliant um, psychotherapist. And she was telling me about the children that she's seeing. And her issue is that these children are having fear ingrained in their kind of subconscious it's ingrained yeah. in their subconscious and they and everyone says oh kids are resilient they're not resilient up and to what, a point they're resilient also they want not, to look the, look as if they're they resilient look like they're resilient because they don't want to look as if they're they're in, in trouble do they no but the thing is is these these type of fears and the way it reprograms your subconscious they they probably won't come out as kids but they will then come out horribly as disorders in a late at a later stage so mm. eating disorders agoraphobia yeah. o ocds or post-traumatic stress disorders that are debilitating yes. as an adult so i'm really worried about what our kind of younger forming brains are going to be like mm. in a few years time yeah there's going to be a whole kind and of and the school hasn't legacy. helped them either because oh, i mean no, uh, i was talking fun after chris evans the other day and his son went back to school on monday and he said it was quite weird because we weren't wearing masks yeah and when you think about that that is quite a strange situation for a child to be in, having worn masks. And I said, well, isn't it funny that on Friday it was dangerous in school, but on Monday it wasn't? Nothing's actually changed. But, but Mike, you and I both know that what masks is about. Mm. It's not. It's it's just the science hasn't proven that it stops a virus. No. It actually, and and it hasn't proven that it doesn't. And do obviously, harm the government them. now believes that too because yeah. they're not insisting on people wearing them. No, they're not. You know, but at the moment not. they're sort of hanging on to it. They're clinging yeah. on to a bit of it, and I think they have to do that because Sage are probably saying to them, if you say you can get rid of masks altogether, uh, everybody's going to go mad and they're all going to start jumping on top of each other in supermarkets. But so what? Well, yeah. But Mike, what? So, so what? So what if we all start hugging? and jumping mm. on top of each other the vulnerable and the older have been vaccinated and anybody who feels that they need a vaccine has been vaccinated and i'm i'm you know i think that's fantastic news so what's the problem mm. what is the problem why, why are we what is this somebody explain it to well, me exactly. I don't understand. maybe i'm wrong but i don't get it so those, this is oh, the trouble they can't they can't i told you she was punchy oh, you can't you know you can't <laughs> explain it because there's no explanation and so, that's the reason they don't do it but why are they doing it though? That's what I well, don't that's the say. bit I don't get. I don't know if you heard Laura Dodsworth. She was I, on the yes. other day and she was brilliant. But when I said to her, why do you think they're doing it? Because that's the other bit that puzzles me. Yeah. There doesn't, I don't think there's some great conspiracy going on, but I don't understand why. I really just don't get it. Because I think Boris Johnson genuinely doesn't want us to be in lockdown. I don't think he wants to reverse, you know, the June 3rd and the 21st date. 
I just don't understand why he doesn't just say to everybody, just get out of the room, get lost, you know, do one of his, you know, I don't care if the bodies pile up high, if that's indeed yeah. what he said. He's the Prime Minister. Do what you want to do. But it's worrying that he, if, if you feel that he believes that, mm. it's worrying that he's not being a Prime Minister. Yeah, I know. And actually doing what he feels. Well, I think there is an element of all of it where they're terrified of it all going wrong and suddenly something terrible does happen. Because when you get a bit like the fear propaganda that we're all hearing, if you've got some guy in your ear like Chris Whitty every day saying, so, oh, you better be careful. Just be careful. Be careful. But why? I well, just yeah. want to say, but why? No, but, 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 but why, you know Chris what? But the, Please tell me but why the debilitating do I effect yeah. of that yeah. is psychological on people. I mean, I was looking at a story this morning about one of the sage advisors, uh, who's a woman who is in fact some kind of um, a behavioural expert, has no medical qualifications may at I, all. I, I um, her, name? her name, I think, is uh, where is it? Doctor Zubeda Hack, oh. right? And she is somebody who's been on the television over the last two days talking about why we are in danger if we lift the restrictions. Right? She has no medical qualification for saying any of that. She was in. In fact, a race advisor um, in some uh, university in South London or something like that. She was brought in originally to, to Sage because she was an advisor on, on racial equality or something like that. Nothing to do with science. Absolutely nothing. And but yet she's out there going, you mustn't do that. But you've got people like Professor John Ioannidis in, in America who is so eminent mm. in virology and can't say the word epi, epi, epidemiology that's yes. the one and it's yet, a word we've all learned <laughs> it is he he's not being listened to and he is the world's leading brain on this mm. and he is not being listened to although and in america they're actually moving around aren't they, they? Are, because even joe biden now has said there's no need to wear a mask he's gone away from his original kind of wearing of one or two or maybe three masks i think he was wearing <laughs> at one point you're kind of going what it's insane. it is insane but florida now is is completely and utterly free uh, of the virus texas, texas as well completely free of the virus yeah. i was reading out a statement from the governor the other day uh, where they've had zero cases for the first time uh, since march i think of last year Do you know i've got this thought mike that the reason that they're continuing this fear-mongering in this way is because once this stops then they really are going to have to shine a light on the damage and the, all the collateral mm. damage that's been done through lockdown that we did not need yes and i think that's why they're just trying to keep it going mm. so so if you i mean if you kind of press on people's heads enough with this fear and keep it going then they're not going to actually ask the real question that needs to be asked yes. is what has happened because everything has gone wrong and it wasn't through covid it was through lockdown mm. and and not to say that there's you know there weren't horrible covid deaths there absolutely were but there are you know many years where we've had horrible influenza deaths yes. so you know this is one of them it's been greater and it's been worse and it's been far more contagious but look at the ages of the, the people lockdown. who died and yeah. look at where they got the infection and where they died mostly yeah. in hospital mostly in care homes yep. very sad very tragic and all of that but nevertheless um it wasn't most people walking around the street. Most Also, the other uh, statistic we never hear is that most people who got COVID, even those who went into hospital, got better. Absolutely. We never and they hear came any out. good news. I mean, is it what's the right figure? Is it that uh, 1,400 or 1,600 people die a day in Britain? Yeah. Okay, so that figure was never put into perspective. No. So we get all these deaths that we're hearing, but actually people die that's mm. what we do we don't live forever i don't want to live forever no. i just want to live well till i die exactly and, and, and you don't want to live a life where you're told what you can do and what you no. can't do i don't know if you heard our show on monday we were in the pub we yeah. were going to invite you down but i thought you know even even um <laughs> you might not want to come on the show twice in a week um but you know i was walking yeah, I through london bridge station yeah. and i was suddenly struck by all the signs you know yeah keep left you know wash your hands stay keep your distance Put a face mask on. There was a, a, a loudspeaker telling me that, you know, report an incident if you see it to somebody who, you know, uh, works here. It's and, like and everywhere I looked, there were people wearing masks. There were people with pink high-vis jackets yeah. on. 
I was like, Who's this is mad. Who's these people and why? Again, can we just go back to the point of why is this happening? We we now know that um, the vulnerable have been vaccinated, as have the old. The variants are not going to make any difference to the vaccine. Mm. So why is this continuing? I know. And yet not a single person in the mainstream media, possibly because their pockets are being so well lined, mm. has ever asked any of these questions. I mean, that's the question I would ask. I'd just put my hand up and say, right, this is where we're at now. Mm. Why are we continuing in this fear-mongering manner? Please, yeah. could you explain to me? Because if you have a logical reason, yeah. I, I'm a good person. Yeah. I, I'm going to follow it. Sure. But at the moment, all of these reasons seem to be harming me. Mm. And, and my parenting has been taken out of my hands and been put in the hands of a state mm. that I don't agree with yes so uh, that's the thing that i find really worrying. and more and more people are beginning to see your side of the argument and my side of the argument i mean there's a big demonstration again even the bbc uh, couldn't report on it despite the fact that it was outside the bbc's <laughs> office there. they didn't bother actually thousands putting it on the thousands, news yeah. thousands of people anti-lockdown and of course you know the, the what i call the kind of professorial classes are going why are you demonstrating against lockdown there is no lockdown you go well, hello have yeah. you looked around yeah you know i was talking to a friend of mine down in hastings at the weekend uh, who was telling me that the whole of old the old town of Hastings, which is a lovely, you know, little rabbit run kind of, you know, pedestrian precinct type place. Loads of shops there have shut and will not reopen. Uh, Lots of little cafes just simply couldn't survive. You know, if it's a pub, that's one thing. They've been able to do bits and pieces, take away this, that and the other. But an awful lot of little family uh, cafes, a lot of little sort of knick-knack shops, independents have gone and they're not coming back. So what are you going to do in the high street for them? Well, this is this is the point is that nobody's kind of that's that's what I think. That's why they're keeping the fear up, because otherwise we have to shine that light. We have to change the conversation from COVID, which is and we and COVID has been awful. But we it, step away now from mm. COVID and let's step into what are we going to do to make things better? Yes. And I really I'd like to start a position. I don't know how to do it to stop the government from spending that money that they've got earmarked now to spend on frightening and advertising. And maybe if they stop feeding the media, um, then the media will then start to to develop an independent mind well you'd like to think so but i mean this is why we've become the only place but this is why we've become so popular yeah because we ask the questions that nobody else is asking you know because whenever there's a briefing it seems to me that all the all the questions surround kind of when are you going to put another lockdown in? I know. Why are you not locking down harder? Who are these people? I don't know. Do but they live in some kind of... I mean, I'm to be honest with you, Mike, in, in within my life, I'm, I'm reasonably comfortable. But I can't bear the thought of, of people that aren't comfortable and haven't had, you know, the benefits that I've had. I've got mm. a garden. Yeah. You know, and I can I can go outside. Sure. But there's lots of people that haven't been able to do that. And the, the rates of child depression, suicide, mm. abuse. Yeah. I mean something ridiculous like 150% of um, non-accidental child trauma Mm. has been so uh, kids have been hit basically at home right but it has increased by 150%. Because, the, the kind, because presumably the kind of people who would harm their children are going to harm them more because they're more frustrated. But I don't think it's they're just They're maybe those. out of a job, you know? But I don't think it's just those. Imagine if you're... I mean, there's those that we know about. Mm. But I think the lockdown, if you've lost your job and you're living in a flat and you don't have a garden and you're... You know, everything is getting on top of you. You are going to be in a state that you're not the normal great parent you were. Right. And that's the other thing. It's pushing people over the edge. No question. We've got to start throwing out safety nets yeah. bringing people back in and yeah. helping them rebuild their lives mm. but the first way of stopping that is the fear mongering has to stop mm. take down these signs don't go one way or another way there is no reason for it stop this hand sanitation mm. all the time wash your hands this is the other thing yeah. little kids Mike who haven't been to nurseries and playgroups and whatever 
what's going to happen to their mm. immune system? So it's just, my mind is bouncing around yes. all the time. I just want to start fixing things. Mm. Let's stop going on about the bad stuff and let's start fixing things and, and making And also better. things that like, I mean, we were banging on about this last couple of weeks about GP surgery not being open properly. There's a story, I think, on the front page of the Express this yeah. morning. I don't know if I've got, I can't get it to hand, but it's, a, it's about a terrible situation of somebody who couldn't get to see a doctor uh, who's now in a really, really terrible situation. And that's wrong. I mean, and some doctors are doing fine. Some doctors are seeing people and that's all right. Some, but a lot of them are really a lot of them are not. A lot of them are not. You know, and, that, and that needs to be changed. How about uh, the, the, the change that you've seen in, in hospitality? Because obviously Monday was hopefully a, th- a thing it was for, a great for, day. For, for, for many restaurants it was that a couldn't great day. Every, everybody was coming in and sitting down everyone was so fed up with yeah. sitting and freezing outside we still can't run to capacity though mm. because of, of social distancing right. so we've got these kind of big plastic things up and you're trying to separate I saw a great picture people. of you outside the, the, the real Greek up at uh, Tower, Tower Bridge Hill. With a, with a, I was like I want one of those <laughs> had a sort of lug in a beer yeah, definitely. <laughs> so good so good so good So, but you know the, the the bigger companies uh, are getting back off their knees. Mm. I, I have real concern about the smaller ones needing a little bit more help. Yes. And getting and people need to go out. Yeah. So we're getting these mixed messages. You know, stay safe, stay right. home, don't go near this person, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But does no one care about the little guy, the economy? What, right. What's going on? I know. We should be promoting people to go out, go and spend your money yeah. if you've got some. Go and spend it in hospitality. Help, but do you remember last year when out. they had the, uh, the, the help out to eat out or eat yeah. out to help out, whatever it was, and then it was all kind of slagged off because it was blamed for the uprising and the uptick in infections, which was not at all true, by the no, way, it wasn't because true. the uptick came from people going back to universities, yeah. and it was all young people, which I'm told also much, much, much of the Indian variant is young people yeah. because they're going out and about, and they're not vaccinated but it's not a very big deal but if you listen to people like the great uh, Barrington Declaration yeah. and Sunita Gupta we want the young people to go out mix get it it, it doesn't affect them mm. they get the herd immunity and, and then you know we build up a resistance yeah. to this horrible virus well we can go back so, any number of weeks and find any number of statements from Matt Hancock which say exactly that that basically, you know, we will reach herd immunity. Yeah. All we have to do is vaccinate the vulnerable and then we can cry freedom. I well, mean, that was around Easter time. But but Mr. Hancock, he lies. Yeah. He, he is a liar. He mm. stood up and he's lied to us again and again yeah. and again and again. And I, I don't understand. If I, if I stand up and lie in my job, I'm sacked. Yes. So how can you lie? How can you say, well... Well, it's you, all right if you're a politician. I mean, that's what uh, they do. That's what you do. Yeah. And, I mean, we, and we as normal people at home, because that's all I am. I'm a normal working mum yeah. at home. We have to accept that. I mean, if I tell lies on the radio, uh, I get sanctioned for it. I'm not Absolutely. allowed to do it either. Yeah, so why is that allowed? I'm why? allowed to give my opinion, which is very different. But, you know, Matt Hancock, when he speaks, should speak as the Secretary of State for Health. Yes. And he should not be either feeding us nonsense or saying things which he knows to be at least only partly true. Um, and he should not be trying to convince people of something that isn't the case. Absolutely. When he said how many, I can't remember how many vaccinations it was, that so all the vulnerable and all the over 70s mm. were vaccinated. And he said it's X amount of jabs till freedom. Yes. And he lied. He did, because it's not freedom. It's and we not. passed the point at which he said we would be be passing around about Easter time. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. So yeah. He, he's so why? Somebody needs to stand up and tell us the truth. We mm. are fed up of being fibbed to. We're, we're yeah. fed up of being frightened. Well, do you know what I wonder about? I wonder what's going to happen. If it turns out that this Indian variant isn't particularly transmissible, they, th- then that's all they've got. Yeah. They're going to have to find something else. They'll find another. But they're going to have to. But do you know how many variants so far? If I'm well, not you wrong, told me this. It's no, like 300 you know, Well, no, you made, uh, we made clips of the week, which is <laughs> yeah, the thing yeah, we do on Friday, yeah. because you asked me how many, and I went five, yeah. and you went, no, <laughs> 300,000. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane. So, And, and that's ha- that's generally with viruses. Mm. But normally, if you have some, a vaccination against it, or, or if you have antibodies against it, yeah. they will fight that 
variant. Yes. So there's nothing to worry about. It's why, and, and Laura Dobsworth in her book, State of Fear, she states very clearly that they've put us in a state of fear. She doesn't know why. Mm. I don't know why. No. That's what Nobody I want does. To know. No, we, we need to know the why. Yes, okay. And then well, I'm going to keep asking it. the question. I'm going to keep asking it until we get an answer. What about Cyprus then? Are you going to be able to go? I'm going to try. I mean, What's I'm the situation? Try. Is it a red red list? It's, Is it, it Amber? I think it's Amber at the moment. Because Amber, also, you can basically go. You can, but then you have to you have to um, isolate when you come home in quarantine. That depends really when you come home, though. It? Depends on when we come. But the other thing is, is I'm not sure, but if it's still right, isn't it? I have to pay for an extra, I don't know how much it is, but there's six of us. I have four mm, children. Yeah. And, I, you know, there's six of us. So whatever the cost of these re-entering the country tests are, yeah. one stage they were £210 each. Yes. <laughs> so, that's a lot me, of money to I add know. to your holiday. Somebody sent me a tweet earlier saying that if you, depending on who you travel with, yeah. there's people like Tui. Uh, are doing a slightly cheaper version of it, and I think maybe British Airways are as well. So I think that will change, and you because know, I believe it will. Other countries can you can get a test back for twenty quid. Yeah. So why why are we paying two hundred and ten or twenty I quid? I mean, what's and again, isn't there something to be discussed here about well, why is. these tests are so expensive yeah. in this country? Who is benefiting from these tests? Who's getting the money? Right. Well, again, I think it's like they've done that to try and dissuade anybody from doing anything. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's about them wanting to make money. It's about them going. They want you to think. I really don't want to spend a thousand quid just on testing my my family when I come back. But you have to see it. Well, maybe you can just go or something and take one of the kids. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's but that's then, the way I'm but, thinking. But the way I think, Mike, is like you know, it's like you know, which of your children do you choose? And and we I they all and I really feel that they all need a break. I yeah. think everybody needs a break. And and there is no good reason for us not to go. Yeah. You know, the, let's get it again into perspective. The hospitals are not full of COVID no. deaths anymore. They're, they're they're empty. I mean, I think yesterday is it four people four. died of COVID. Yeah. I mean, should we go through the numbers again? Four hundred eighty-five thousand. Yeah. Four hundred eighty uh, died of cancer. Yeah. Uh, four hundred ninety died of uh, heart disease, mm. depression, and suicide. Yeah. You know, car accidents. Yeah. You know, everything is greater than the death of COVID yeah. now. So let's stop it. Stop. Yes. Stop. Stop going on about it. Stop the conversation and let's put everything into positivity, mm. fixing the country. Yeah. What can we do to make us go back to our old normal and live the lives that made us happy? Because yes. I am so fed up of living in fear yeah. of that kind of and also that kind of virtue signaling being frowned upon. I mean, I, mean, I know Twitter is another world yeah. and not everyone's in that world. No. But the things I get. But it's not just Twitter. There's people out on the street as well who, who look at you strangely if you're oh. doing something that they think isn't the right thing to do. You know, I never I'm, thought us Brits were like that. You I know. know. That. I didn't think we liked that. I thought we we had a you know bit bit more stiffer up. Yeah, I don't think many of us are. I think there's just a very small number of them. They're loud though, aren't they? That well, one? they try to be. Not as loud as I am. <laughs> yeah, no, they come up to me, they get a bit true. of a shock, I'm afraid. But listen, great to see you. If you do happen to go out there, you can still zoom in and, and sit around the swimming pool. Or something. Oh, I will. I'll absolutely so we, we, do we that. We can't let you have a week off. We're not, we're not having it. <laughs> Tonya that. Buxton, thank you very much indeed. Very many things to talk about after what Tonya's just said. A lot of you, I'm sure, feel exactly the same way. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Uh, we're going to talk now, though, about a story which, for many people, I think, around uh, at, at this particular time, 2021, is probably a very um, unknown story, a story that's in the dim and distant past, but it's a horrible story. And I'm going to talk now to Mike Sullivan, Crime Editor at The Sun, uh, who's covered some horrible stories in his time, but probably none worse um, than the serial killer Fred West. Mike, a very good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Mike. And uh, you're quite right. I mean, the depravity was on another level. Yes, I mean, I've been speaking to some people in the past couple of days because they've been reading about the Fred West story, not knowing about it at the time because they were too young. 
and they've actually been quite traumatized reading what he did you know um he hanged himself of course famously in about 95 i think it was after being charged with the deaths of 12 people but what he had done was so awful. I mean, with, with with regard to the fact that we are on radio during the daytime, Mike, just talk us through what he did. Uh, well, from a period from about from 1967 uh, all the way up to the late, uh, mid to late 80s, um, he and Rose effectively were taking uh, young women. Um, they murdered their own daughter, stepdaughter. Uh, but their, their typical modus operandi would be to lure a young woman um, into their clutches. They would take them home uh, where these women would be statistic, statistically abused, tortured, then murdered mm. and uh, buried in the cellar at the home or um, or in the garden. And that was at, uh, um, and this is a key really, because um, there were nine bodies at 25 Cromwell Street. Mm. There was another couple of bodies at Midland Road where they previously lived, another couple of bodies out in the much Markle area. Um, but the fact is, it would seem that there are other bodies out there that have yet to sort of be unearthed. Yes. And it is extraordinary that uh, 53 years ago, uh, and just over, um, Mary Bastholm, then 15 years old, uh, going to see her boyfriend with a Monopoly set. And, and that, that sort of gives you an idea of the vintage. Mm. Wait, waiting at a bus stop, and the only sign of her um, up until potentially now uh, were a few pieces of that Monopoly set at the bus stop. Right, and they now think that she might be buried um, in the basement of this cafe where she worked and which he used to visit from time to time. So is there yeah. a fear because of this that there could be other places, there could be other people that went yeah. missing that, that, that we don't even know that he killed? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, um, Fred West himself had told the police during interviews that, that he was charged with 12, as you just said. But he said to the police there were 10 more. Mm. He told, us, told a social worker there were 20 more. Um, I think he was prone to sort of gross exaggeration and lying mm. on occasion, so nobody will ever know. But um, sure enough, all these years later, um, somebody had some information which had been trying to raising uh, publicly for years about the potential for Mary being in the basement of the Clean Plate Cafe. Mm. Um, there was an ITV or a, doc, a film production team that went down there uh, with a cat of a dog and the ground-penetrating radar machine and um, established that within the basement to the left where it, it, Fred West is reported to have um, laid a concrete um, you know, floor, but... Yeah. What he also did is he converted an area down there into toilets mm. and there were tiles there and it was, it's, it's actually a partition wall, as I understand, between okay. two cubicles where they're specifically looking. So um, he was so a sort of a, a jobbing builder, I guess. So um, uh, presumably yeah. almost anywhere that he could have worked, there might yep. be a, a, a grave. Yeah, there is that potential. Wow. And uh, where do you start? But, I mean, obviously these searches are very expensive. Mm. You've got three forensic archaeologists Arguably, the police could have looked earlier, but they needed some sort of, I guess, some um, something tangible yes. uh, to, to go with. And uh, there, uh, there appears to be a blue material which matched the navy blue coat Mary was wearing when she vanished yeah. um, in that particular void area um, where that cubicle from the old loos are. So. Right. Watch that space. It's going exactly. to take a couple and of Exactly. And it is kind of ironic, isn't it, that, it, as you say, it's a documentary film crew, and I think it's a part, it's a sort of, it's a second documentary that's being done by Trevor McDonald um, that yeah. discovered this. And so presumably they must have had a tip from somewhere. 
Yeah, I think that there is um, a man who's been out there by the name of um, Chris Roberts who's um, been trying for years to bring attention to this site. Mm. Um, and in fact, in 2012, he launched a petition to try and persuade the Gloucestershire police at the time to look at the site. But I'm assuming, and I don't know, that he may have gone to um, the production company or the production company contact. It was obviously uh, with a view to looking. But sadly, uh, Mary's immediate family are all dead now. Mm. So I was going to ask you, though, if there was anybody that was still connected to her. Yeah, there's um, nieces, uh, sort of what would have been, uh, I suppose, cousins, um, but nobody from her immediate family. Um, um, her brother, um, Peter, died last year. He was the last surviving member. Her parents are long dead. Uh, there was another brother who's died. Um, there is a, the, one of the brother who died last year. Mm. His, um, his wife is uh, still living. So there are, there are family members, but not within the immediate um, family. So it, sadly, whatever happens, if, if her remains are found at this point, it will be too late for them. Yeah. But um, the interesting thing is that Rose West could yet potentially be questioned. Yes, I saw that story today in The Sun, uh, that, that she's still around, right? So where is she? Yeah, she's, she's in Newhall Prison, where she's serving a whole life sentence mm. for 10 murders. But um, she and Fred have always insisted that they didn't meet till 1969, I think, at Cheltenham Bus Garage. No. But her solicitor, uh, Leo Goatley, is, um, he's convinced that they met two years earlier. And um, Fred lived in a caravan in a place in Gloucestershire called Bishop's Cleave, and um, Rose lived nearby. And he thinks that um, Fred met her at 14, not 16, and believes that he, she may well have played a part yes. in the abduction and the murder of Mary. So um, if Mary's remains are found, um, it would stand to reason that the police will go and visit um, yes, Rose because, I mean, that was one of the most sort of macabre parts of the story, really, wasn't it? That Rose, in some ways, was actually worse than Fred. Um, yes, I suppose, or as bad. I mean, how do you sort of distinguish between being as, you know, when they're at the level that they are? Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose it's the old prejudice that you wouldn't expect somebody's mother to behave like that, but she was a mother uh, and she exactly. behaved like that. Exactly, but Maya Hindley perhaps falls into the same mm. category uh, where she... Um, used to lure the, the young children into a car for um, Brady to kill, but I mean, there's no doubt it was a joint enterprise, and you know that's a different matter. Mm. But yes, I mean, that, 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 in terms of Rose West, she is a depraved uh, sadist. I mean, yeah. that's the only way to describe her. But she's always apparently been in denial, uh, never willing to um, own up mm. uh, or show remorse for what she's done. Mm. So. And presumably many of the police officers in, in in the case are now retired as well, aren't they? Yeah, I think from the original case in the 90s, yeah. yes. Um, so um, this is... I mean, do the police in those circumstances going to call those guys back in? Do they try and sort of seek their advice? Yeah, I mean, you would expect them to typically contact, say, John Bennett was the um, detective chief mm. superintendent and leading it. So there would be, um, I would imagine, that they will go back over uh, the ground to see what was known at the time to see if, if, if her remains are found. Yeah. Um, at that point, they would contact them to see what evidence um, there was linking Fred West and uh, potentially Rose to mm. Mary's dis- abduction and murder. Mm. It's always been suspected, and um, even back in 2012, the police said at the time that uh, Fred West was suspected of murdering Mary. 
uh, but they were um, didn't have a, a, enough tangible evidence to um, carry out the search. Now that's right. changed. Yeah, shocking story, absolutely incredible. But Mike, listen, thank you so much for sparing some time for us. Mike Sullivan, crime editor at The Sun, uh, they're describing the scenes uh, down in this cafe where they think they may have found the remains. Uh, we'll find out later on, probably in the week, or possibly next week, uh, of yet another victim of Fred West who said to uh, investigators when he was arrested uh, and charged with 12 murders that he had done anywhere between 10 and 20 more. Absolutely unbelievable story. And if you haven't read the story, I'm not sure I want to tell you to do so because it really is quite grisly, quite upsetting for people who haven't really been familiar with what he did. But it was one of the probably worst cases of serial killer um, activity in certainly this country, if not in the whole of Europe, if not in the whole of the world. Um, absolutely remarkable stuff. Um, and uh, obviously much has been written about it. Books have been written about it as well. Uh, well the poor girl who, who may turn out to have been another victim, uh, we'll find out about, uh, I'm sure, in the coming days. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.